You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 182 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So, um, disclaimer, preface. We talked about what word to use for this, but <laughs> disclaimer or preface, whatever you prefer, right off the bat. Um, this is not going to be the most extensive podcast or the sharpest podcast you'll, you'll ever hear because we are coming off of Dollars for Dingers weekend and we are tired, y'all. <laughs> it's been a long it, weekend, but in a good way. We're we're tired in a good way. It was two full games. <laughs> yes, yes. It was two full games worth of It was two full games. games and then some of us must have had some kind of head injury that led them to decide to do another game the next day oh wow wow yeah, that's, a lot. <laughs> that's not that was not me i mean i i drove you know four hours back to dc so there's that yes you um, had travel plans i yeah. did um so yeah that's that's just right off the bat we will we will obviously talk more about dollars for dingers later in the show but a very quick uh before we get into the more extensive feels uh, a very quick thank you to every single person who participated in Dollars for Dingers this year in any capacity. We really appreciate you. Um, but before we talk about Dollars for Dingers and give our little like spiel about it, um, we will first talk about the Mets. Uh, there are actually a few 
um, pretty notable things that have happened in the past week or so that don't really have much to do with the actual games that played <laughs> that happened on the field um, that were played, I should say. Uh, the number one bit of news is that Buck Walter will not be returning as Mets manager next year. Um, he did sort of a weird, like somewhat cryptic, but not really announcement of it um, in his pregame presser before the last game of the season on Sunday. Um, and then it was made official later. Um, you know, this is not all that surprising because uh, related to the other bit of Mets news, it's not news that the Mets hired David Stearns, but his hiring was made official today uh, as we record this on Monday uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, he had a presser uh, to to officially announce his hiring. Uh, so David Stearns obviously wants to bring in his own manager, as is the right of the incoming president of baseball operations. Uh, Steve Cohen made it abundantly clear that it was that this decision was driven by David Stearns and not by him, which I saw some people online like that are angry about that and like lol metsing that saying like, oh, the Mets, like what a mess they look like because they look like there's conflict to me. I think that that's like good and we shouldn't be angry about that to me. And I don't know, Maggie and Linda, feel free to disagree with me. But to me, it it speaks of a an owner who is actually willing to hand over the reins and trust his president of baseball operations and that he is not going to be micromanaging personnel decisions anymore. Well, and if Which nothing is- else, I mean, that should be the it, this is what they should all want us to believe. Like, yes, we they should want us to not think that Steve Cohen is running the entire show. And of course, when there wasn't anybody like David Stearns in that position, then like, of course, we know it's not Billy Epler running the show. That's not his thing. Um, but yeah, like I that's a re- I feel like it's a really important statement to make, like literally statement and just, you know, presentation that like this is David Stearns's job like job it's his project like he is literally the president of baseball operations he's gonna you know hopefully give steve cohen a little more golfing time um so he can like not have to be running a baseball team um but no i mean i i don't there's been a lot of like trying to make this into a lol mets and i don't appreciate it it is the not a lol mets you like they didn't disrespect buck he got a standing ovation i mean he had to have known the writing was on the wall Uh, yes like he's been in baseball for a long time i'm sure he was not surprised that this happened (laughs) um and And he got to kind of like announce his departure on his own terms which is pretty rare for fired managers (laughs) yeah so he got i do wish it hadn't leaked quite so quickly i mean it was like was it an hour? No, I mean it was immediate because yeah. they were yeah. they were there in the they it was his presser, so they were so all the beats were there on their phone, yeah. so they just all like live tweeted it, which which actually Buck Showalter sort of criticized during the during so I, the presser. I meant like the did the 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 fact that he was really like because he had presented as kind of a mutual thing, yeah, um, and then but almost immediately they were like it's not really mutual. He was fired. I was like give him a couple of hours to just pretend that's not the fact but but yeah i mean it's i don't know 
I'm, I was there at the game and it was like the crowd was really like happy to be able to acknowledge him. And, you know, I can't remember exactly which pitch it was, you know, like the last pitching change that they had. And, and he got a real standing ovation. That doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. When he they... brought in Anthony K and Anthony. <laughs> yeah. That was it. To, uh, well, yeah. let's not talk about that. No, that's not important. No, no that, 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 that's minor at this point. <laughs> To quote my son, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, that's about it. And also, can I just point out that Denny Reyes was not worth sending Lucchese back down to triple A for? Yeah. I'm sorry that he didn't No argument here. But yeah, I mean, of all the things that the Mets have botched, like this seems like the one thing they didn't botch. They so didn't have that. No, no, they didn't botch it. Um, and-, and I didn't know anybody was upset about it until the beat started, like angrily tweeting stuff. I'm like, I really didn't. No, this was a problem the way it was handled. And they even had like a little graphic on the big screen for Buck. What else more do you want? It's yeah, it's not a problem. I I don't understand. Like people the people who are getting worked up about this stuff are like the type of people I think who find stuff to get worked up about and need to be mad about something all the or time. Or just wanting to yeah. shame the Mets and that was a Wilpon thing. Like, you don't have to go looking for problems when there isn't any. It's part of, um, you know, I think that's something that was remarkably successful during Buck's tenure last year and this year, because this is truly, the, you know, a tale of two years for Buck Showalter and the Mets. Um, but, like, there was not a lot of drama. He didn't give them a lot of yeah. juicy tidbits. There was no locker room fights. There was no th- chairs being thrown. It didn't, uh, stop, which I realized it, it didn't stop yeah. people from trying to make locker yes, like yes. create locker right. room well, drama where there wasn't any because they had to fabricate it because it wasn't there. Yeah, and I just I I, I hope that if the New York sports media has learned anything from the last few years, it's that. There doesn't always have to be a story like a, like a like a juicy like you know messy drama kind of story a like scandal that's, yeah yeah like that's just not that's not what's going on here anymore because sometimes teams just suck and that's what happened there wasn't it wasn't because the players weren't getting along it's not because Buck lost the clubhouse they just all got old at the same time and the bullpen just got really bad at the same time and that's there's nothing else to look for there was you know you don't have to manufacture drama when the answer is right in front of you yeah i mean that that was uh that exact point was exemplified really well by a recent piece in the athletic from Tim Britton and Will Salmon that uh, everyone should read if they haven't already. It's like, it's like a week and a half old at this point. So I think a lot of people have already read it, but if you haven't, you should go back and read it and we'll link it in the show notes and tweets and such, but they did sort of a post-mortem on the Mets and where did it all go wrong and things like that. And I mean, the article isn't very satisfying in the sense that the overall conclusion is they just underperformed. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but the quotes that were within the article from different players were interesting and illuminating and thoughtful. I thought, um, of course, everyone uh, Mets Twitter 
latched on to the Tommy Pham quotes from that piece, which were a very small part of the overall article. <laughs> but of course, they were the juiciest, like Maggie said. Everyone's always looking for I mean, to be fair, story. that's what I read the most as well. <laughs> that was the first, <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> guilty, guilty. Um, and so, I mean, Tommy Pham basically said that it was the least hardworking group of players he had ever played with. He 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 purposefully made exemptions for the like what he saw as the leaders on the team, aka I think it was Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, and Brandon Nimmo. I think were the yeah. guys he called out as the leaders on the team. He he said he had no problem with them and their work ethic, but he felt like overall the team was lackadaisical, which I mean I have no idea if that's true, um, and I, I w- I'm not in the clubhouse. I have no idea if that's true. What I do know is that uh, Tommy Pham is a personality uh, and ha- it says inflammatory things and has had issues in the clubhouse in the past. We all know. This. Well, and I would also, and this is actually something, and I'll like shout out to the MMO guys who had me on last week. I learned, you know, I knew somewhat about Tommy Pham as a person, but one of the things that I had kind of forgotten is that he is a crazy workaholic. Yes. Yeah. Always. Cause you know, and he's one of those guys who is not like, you know, he's not Mike Trout. He's not like some supernaturally gifted physical specimen. Um, He does have to work his ass off to get where he is. And, And it's a bit of a complex some might say so that context also helps for understanding that like working hard and working tommy fam hard might be two different things well i think even mark canna pointed that out too because of course then they had to ask mark about it um and he said that fam basically is that he's a workaholic he's you know he's like just because you're not working out to hips level doesn't mean you're not working out and so and canna had nothing but nice things to say about the organization so you know taking one player's quote like you know one snippet of a quote and having that be an indictment on the entire team and for 2023 just uh doesn't seem fair to sounds to like something somebody would do if they wanted drama mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly um so overall like buck's tenure as mets manager um as maggie said will be marked by a tale of two seasons in 2022 he was manager of the year um in 20 at the end of 2023 he was fired um i think you know Obviously, we've talked about these points on the podcast before. We don't need to rehash them all. I, my personal feeling on the matter is that I was supportive of Buck Walter's hiring at the time. I think he's a wonderful human being. And it was a, a refreshing change of pace to have a manager who I didn't hate looking at his face during postgame pressers. And I actually found interesting the stuff that he had to say and I thought he was like a good person (laughs) which is a lot more than you can say for a lot of Mets managers of the past um I do think that he isn't a particularly good in-game manager but there are a lot of managers managing in baseball who are not particularly good in-game managers I thought he was an excellent manager of personalities 
which is why part of why we didn't have these clubhouse problems, despite people trying to stir them up. Um, and I just hope that who, but I don't think he deserved to keep his job in the end. I think I tweeted, I'm not going to miss Buck show Walter, the manager, but I am going to miss Buck show Walter, the man. And I feel that very strongly. Um, I, I just hope that whoever replaces him is as good of a human being as he is and as good at managing personalities as he is and a better in-game manager than he is. <laughs> that would be great. Well, I think it's, it's, it's easy because this season was so horrifically disappointing. It's easy to miss that it could have actually even been worse. Yeah, yeah. Because of the clubhouse. This was such a like recipe for disaster in some ways because you had all of these... Um, you had all these veterans with big, big contracts and also like well-earned, but egos, um, certainly, uh, you know, Scherzer and Verlander had certain expectations of themselves. And you also had a lot of young guys being dropped in on all of that. And both the expensive veterans and the young guys were all struggling. There was a lot of potential for anger and blame and that didn't happen. And I know that there are probably some folks out there who think that that was the problem and they should have all just like had some giant brawl or whatever. And then they would have remembered how to play baseball again, because that's how it works. But, um, you know, and I think like that's thank you, Buck Showalter, for not having any brawls in the clubhouse, because really like that is sort of the vibes that it could have very easily slipped into. Well, and I think he was the manager that they needed at the time for that reason. Because, I mean, I think it was Mike Puma who tweeted that after he won Manage the Year, Jacob DeGrom sent him a heartfelt message saying, thank you for changing the clubhouse culture. Um, So even though Jake left, he still appreciated uh, what Buck did. Um, So I think... That definitely needed to be done. And Buck was probably the perfect guy to do to handle that. So now and now you have these core group of and we have as we saw, the all the players came out to applaud him too. They were very close with him. So now you have this core group of Lindor, Pete, and Nimmo. Well, and Pete can... sounded especially moved. Yes, yes. And Lindor, we know too with Kalina. <laughs> um, but so now they can take, you know, the, those leadership qualities that they've learned from Buck and, you know, take that going forward. And we even saw that with Lindor this year. Every year he was blaming himself. He was out in front of his locker, never pointing fingers um always taking the blame but always you know also trying to find positives always sticking up for his teammates if you know something went wrong he was like no you know that could have done better but we we lose as a team and um so I think having Buck around for Lindor also made him a better leader that's just my gut feeling I totally Um, agree because mm-hmm. I, Lindor's leadership really came through this year, and I can only imagine that was because he had Buck around. Yeah, I, I it seems like Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso uh, got uh, uh, the news hit them particularly hard. Yeah. Um, Francisco Lindor is a professional, as we've seen many times, and he's never gonna, you know, be openly critical of 
the decision of an incoming president of baseball operations. Um, but he talked about how much he appreciated Buck Showalter. Uh, he said he let BB Francisco Lindor, uh, which I think is absolutely true. Um, and then there was also a report from, forgive me, I cannot remember who it was. I will check. Oh, yeah, Mike Puma. Linda, you said it, that that Pete uh, took it the hardest, apparently, when he found out that Showalter was fired. And he had to be talked out of going directly to Steve Cohen, apparently, to voice his unhappiness about it. I don't oh know how much that I believe. not go up to Steve Cohen <laughs> and criticize him. Dear God, please don't Not when you want an extension, Pete, please. Oh, well. I mean, or you want I to hope, be living the next day. <laughs> I certainly hope that this doesn't affect the, that those yeah. talks at all. I can't imagine. Well, certainly if it did, you'd have to feel better after um, David Stern's going up there and saying everything short of he's going to be a Met forever because I was sort of vibes. Not to jump the gun on the show notes, I realize. We're getting oh, there. Oh, yes. But, no, yeah. perfectly, uh, perfectly. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Speaking of which. <laughs> yeah. So David Stearns. The, the highlights of the Stearns presser, I thought, um, were, well, I'll go slightly out of order per the segue, um, were number one, he talked about Pete Alonso as if that, as if the extension was already done. He didn't say that. <laughs> But he was like, I expect him. He's he he's definitely said out and out that he's not trading him because he said, I expect him to be the opening day first baseman next year. And he was very much smiling when he said that in a way. And the way that he said it just made me think like, you know, oh, they're really close on an extension. Like, I have no like actual proof to back that up. It just feels like Stearns doesn't say that unless he's pretty sure that they have an extension in place. So someone as like, you know, careful and thoughtful as David Stearns doesn't just say that. Uh, so I just I mean, think, the ball I feel like the vibes are good to announce there. it though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like you just walk in and be like, Hey, my first move was Pete Alonso staying. <laughs> uh, that w- everyone. I think that people would have gone feral. If that happened. <laughs> um, it would have been really cool. To introduce yourself to an organization. Yeah. <laughs> but I think partially like they wanted Buck to have his moment um, yeah. and they kind of need a little bit of time to like settle in. Um, he specifically would not comment on Shohei Otani was like, I don't think I should be talking about potential free agent targets on day one <laughs> is what he said. Um, but the other big highlight of the Stearns presser was uh, in my view was just him talking about how much it means to him to be, uh, to be president of baseball operations for the New York Mets, the team he grew up rooting for. Um, he, he even said, this is my home. And that made me want to run through a brick wall for the man, honestly. that And also him saying, so cool. I want my kids to be Mets fans. Oh, sorry. No, because like, that to me is a Met, a true Mets fan because nobody chooses to root for the mess. We <laughs> right. all get it from our parents or from some family <laughs> member or friend. So like that's that to me is what a Met fan really is. Like being saying, I want my kids to be Mets fans. So like he really is one of us. <laughs> well and I love it because like to me it makes me feel like I can picture a couple of decades with David Stearns. Um, it helps slash does not help that he is younger than me. 
that's okay. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, we're not. I like that he's younger than me. It's great. It's, it's perfect. Cool. Totally cool. But 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 you know, for a team that has had more than its fair share of leadership changes over the last several years or ever, it feels like maybe I'm over. But it feels like they've always been in turmoil. Everyone like every few years for as long as I've been conscious of it. But it, it gives you a vision of like he could just be really good at this and stick around and do it for a while. He could run the Mets for 20 years. And when he talks about wanting his kids to grow up as Mets fans, it makes me feel like he wants that too. Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, and we I think we've said this before in Steve Cohen's favor, which is that he likes baseball. Yep. It's not like he's not. Yeah. He wasn't spit out by some like NBA wall street machine to try to make every team 1% richer. Like that's not, you know, that's not the game that he's playing. He likes baseball. Now, does that mean that he will be like, who knows what's going to happen? I think he's really good. Um, And I think he's going to be fine. I think the team's going to do well, but even if I was wrong, man, he still does like baseball and that counts for something. I think uh, it does. Well, I, I was wondering, I'm like, even though he was with the brewer with the Brewers, did he still keep tabs on the Mets? Did, was he still secretly rooting for them? Because you can't just give that up. If he was a childhood fan, and what did he say he was at Mike Piazza's first game? Yeah, he, he, I think I he think did so. Say yes. That. Yeah. No. So you don't just give that up, even if you get a job with another organization. So I'm like, no, he was secretly rooting for them this whole time. That's the story <laughs> I have in my head sleeper agent yes he was a sleeper agent yeah and that's I just I, that's I just, why he the carlos or the carlos gomez trade left <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> true true <laughs> um, yeah i mean i like maggie said i just think it's it just it's just a different vibe to have an owner and now a president of baseball operations just leadership and the guys in charge it's cool to have those guys be Mets fans. It's just really cool. How many organizations get that? Yeah. Really? Like how many organizations have ownership and their top executive be fans of the team first? And like you get all these platitudes from the other owners like, oh, we fell short of our goals while they're not spending. It's like, no, you didn't ever cared like the Angels. Um, they didn't even bother. Yeah, Art Moreno didn't even bother showing up to like give Shohei Otani his team MVP. So at least now with Cohen, he also like he, not only do you know he's a fan, he's also willing to back it up. Like no other owner, there's very few other owners who now are willing to invest in the team they own. So right. it's nice that. Hopefully that'll just kind of spread out to the entire organization that, you know, no matter what, they have the organization's best interests at heart. And that's not always the which is sad that that's not always the case for other teams. In fact, it's the exception. They interpret the best interests differently. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. yes. Like going back to the Wilpons as an example, like they weren't. Mets fans like they the Mets were an investment opportunity to them they were you Dodger know your fans yeah they were Dodger fans and so and this is like true of most owners like they're not 
they're they're most of the time they're not actually a fan of a team of the team they own or they weren't before they owned the team and like they more so they sometimes don't even care about baseball at all so most of the time even like they didn't grow up with baseball they are just a rich guy who owns a sports team because it makes a lot of money or inherited it yeah to have to have a president of baseball operations like I feel like truly understand where the fan base is coming from and what it would mean to this fan base, this city, this community to win a championship. Um, I, I think that means something. I think that's important. It's meaningful. Uh, I think he'd run through a brick wall for the team, which yes. is yes, which is how that feeling gets passed down to us. Well, yep. Nelson, it's just weird to think like, he has the same memories we do. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about Mike Piazza's post 9-11 home run, and I was like, yeah. he's just like me for real. Yeah, like, if any of the beat you. guys are listening right now, first of all, I apologize about all the drama stuff. But also, I will uh, personally request one of you to ask him what he thinks about when he thinks about Luis Castillo and Yankee Stadium. No. And just like, see what happens. Yes, he gets angry. <laughs> I see if his blood pressure goes up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It, it was a good presser. I thought he was very thoughtful. He was insightful. The the third sort of uh, highlight for me, um, notable thing, was someone asked him. I wasn't paying attention to who was asking which question. So apologies. I don't remember who it was who asked him this. Kudos to whoever it was, though. I wish I remembered so I could shout them out, but I don't remember. Um, one of them, one of the beat reporters asked him, um, like, what is your plan to build 
a long or, or like a perennial competitor, basically. Does that begin next year? Does that begin in 2025? Does that begin like when does that begin? And Stearns answered without hesitation. It begins right now. And so yeah. I think that he was reassuring the fans that they're not retooling in 2025. I mean, it might end up that way, but I don't think I think he's reassuring the fans that that's not the Mets intention uh, to step back in 2025 and refocus or step back in 2024 and refocus for 2025. Like, you know, Max Scherzer said that they said to him. And I don't think that Max Scherzer is lying. I think the Mets may have been fibbing to him. Well, they can always say that was Billy Epler's vision. And now David Stearns has a different vision. Although I mean, I some, some folks, not, not, Either of you, some folks do kind of seem to forget that David Stearns is not the general manager. Yeah. And in fact, Billy Epler is the general manager. And yes. those, those are those are two different roles. Yes. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't actually mind Billy Epler as the general manager with David Stearns actually guiding the larger vision yes. of the team. Like the general manager needs to go out and like sign the dudes to contracts but the president of baseball operations is going to help guide that. What, you know, what kind of dudes are we looking at? Like Billy Epler is going to go, let's get optional arms. And David Stearns is going to say, that's dumb as shit. Sign good <laughs> relievers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Developing more digital philosophies is probably what David Stearns is there for. And we already know that Billy Epler is at least pretty good at the, like going out and getting his guy part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like I think he'll get that. Yamamoto. Yeah, like, like he yeah. did Capable that with Kodai Senga. Yeah. Hopefully, he can do it again with Yamamoto. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think I am fine. Uh, like Maggie said, I am fine with Billy Epler as the general manager. Now that there is Stearns there, sort of above him, guiding the whole vision. I do also think in these conversations about Buck Showalter and where the 2023 Mets went wrong, there's a lot of back and forth about it wasn't Buck's fault or it was Buck's fault and how much blame does the manager take and not enough Billy Epler being brought up in any of these conversations. And I just find it interesting. I'm not saying it is only Billy Epler's fault that the 2023 Mets were bad, but I am saying that he is somehow like skated past any blame. And that's fascinating to me because this is his team that he built. Yeah. And like Maggie said, maybe somebody he needed an adult to tell him optional arms is probably not the best way to build a bulb. <laughs> right. Right. So like I said, like have David Stern's building philosophies organizational philosophies like analytics because again justin verlander came in very surprised at how far behind they were um so having somebody to oversee that and to you know maybe be more open to criticism because the person who heard that from justin verlander went screaming to the post to complain about it um, so maybe tightening that up too and seeing, I think he said, you know, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said every, basically everywhere has to be strong because in a competitive field like this, 
the weakling is always going to be found. So to me, yeah. that sounds like he will be shoring up all their deficiencies um, from years past, which is still, you know, it's we're still recovering from the Wilpons. That's, you know, a lot of the, those people are still, I mean, they fired a lot of people this year. So now hopefully, you know, it's a clean slate and they can start fresh with somebody else in charge who has, you know, a vision and a philosophy and can help guide the organization that that's been lacking for so many years now and that, you know, hasn't been able to really rebound um, under, you know, under Sandy first and now under nobody. Um <laughs> So finally, we have an adult in the room is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And when asked about, I I think he was, I can't remember the exact wording of the question, but he was sort of asked about how, like where the 2023 Mets went wrong, uh, basically. And he said, you know, when you have to build an entire team out of free agents, you tend to skew a little older And then you have issues with injury and age-related decline. And that's what happened to the Mets. It wasn't a lack of talent on the roster, certainly. And he said it wasn't just a Mets problem either. Right. He he said that this is a problem like in any organization that tries to build a winning team that way. And unfortunately for the Mets, if they're going to win next year, they're going to have to kind of do that again. Hopefully they will, you know, get luckier and, and be smarter. Both, because I think that some of it was bad decision making, but some of it was also bad luck Yeah, uh, with the free agents that they end up with. But unfortunately, in the short term, while, you know, the Mets, the, the new this new era of Mets continue to try to get better at player development and such, you know, there's not much help coming down the pike. I mean, we do have the baby Mets. It's great. Hopefully they uh, at least a few of them pan out and the next gen baby nets too so we all got it's a trade deadline yeah all the ponies right now yeah so we shall see hopefully that will work out but you know none of those guys aside from probably francisco alvarez are like put are are in their roles in pen next year so you're gonna have to fill a lot of those gaps with free agents. And that's not to mention, obviously they need at least two major league caliber starting pitchers. They need to fill basically an entire bullpen. They have Diaz. They have Edwin Diaz Diaz coming back next year, which is great. They have potentially Adam Adovino on a player option, which is interesting because Adam Adovino has changed his, tune recently in a disconcerting way he he had been saying like oh i love new york i want to stay in new york like every indication he's gonna like pick up his player option but then he kind of did like an i don't know in his most recent like the most recent time he was asked about it i forget when it was which that's not great but who knows i i don't know i don't know what he what's going Maybe on they caught him on an off day yeah. <laughs> he just wasn't feeling it that day i don't or he on. just or he just was turned off by how the Mets sold everyone at the trade deadline. You know, maybe he was discouraged by that. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Adam Adovino's head, but 
point being with the bullpen picture for next year, there is a chance that he will be back, but there's also a chance that they, they have to fill his spot if he chooses to not exercise his player option. So if, and, and I think Brooks really has a team option. I think so. So, which if it's a team option, I imagine it's likely to be exercised. So, but still that's like a lot of bullpen spots. (laughs) And I don't want to see the parade. So the parade of dudes we've been seeing these like during September, during dollars for dingers, the parade of dudes. I don't want to see any of those guys. No, never again. No, no more Phil Bickford. No more Trevor God. No more Reed Garrett. None of that. I'm sorry. I don't even know who Reed Garrett was. Oh, he's been here a few times. He was the only one who could get any outs this weekend. It seemed like. But when they brought him in, I was like, I don't know who this is. Never heard of him before. He's been up a few times, Linda. This is like his third call up this year. Are you kidding? Always a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. Grant Hartwig. None of that. None of that. I'm sorry. Trevor Gott. Doesn't God have another year? Yeah, I think so. Oh, God. I mean, but he can. Well, that fills one of the roster spots. Please, no. I don't know. Oh God! Anyway, David Stearns has his work cut out for him is all I'll say. And he talked about, you know, filling an entire team with free agency and the pitfalls of that, which he's not wrong, but uh, gestures at the Mets. (laughs) Buddy, (laughs) you've come into a situation where you're going to have to do that again. I mean, he's a Mets fan. He knows this organization's a mess. (laughs) Yeah. I think he knows what he signed up for. Yeah, he, he does. Well, hopefully, hopefully he succeeds. I, I want him to succeed. I really like him. I it's it, he's a very well-respected executive um, um around the game. He seems he seems very smart and like he knows what he's doing. I I hope that he does a good job. We shall see. Only time will tell. So uh, before we move on to our like wider baseball segment uh, news wise, I just wanted to ask the two of you. If you're going to watch the playoffs since the no. Mets aren't in it, and if you are, who are you rooting for? <laughs> no, they canceled the playoffs this year, Allison. I don't know what okay. you're talking about. Except for the Orioles. Isn't it crazy? How, I don't so know strange. how playoffs with only the Orioles, but it's going to be great. I'll be watching at least as long as the Orioles are uh, not eliminated. So uh, I will be rooting hard for the Baltimore Orioles. I think... I think my hierarchy of of teams in in the playoffs is one Orioles, two Brewers, three all the non NL East teams, four NL East teams. <laughs> that's that's the tiers. Those are the tiers. I want to root for Marcana, but I'm still so bitter about all eight that I can't root for the Brewers. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as mad about that. I don't know. All I remember I from grudges. I can't. See, see, I, I have, like, very distinct grudges around 2007. Like, I might have to punch Tom Glavin in the face if I ever saw him. It would be real bad. I'm sorry in advance. Um, <laughs> but 2008 is just, like, this blurry, like, pain canvas. <laughs> it's just nothing but, pain like, sadness. <laughs> oh. oh, wait, Maggie, I do have a question. Because Ooh. everybody was saying that Steve Cohen looked awful and they're like this is what managing the Mets does to you and I remember you called Terry Collins Gollum after managing the Mets so what does that make Steve Cohen oh gosh 
<laughs> That's a great question. I got to figure this one out. Now, did you see There's- what he looked like at the presser? He- very much look like looked like a dude who was on a like 48 hour bender and then just showed up to that <laughs> press conference. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Someone I mean, I also pointed like out, that- I think yeah. it was Brian, actually. Brian pointed out that he thought that he dyed his hair. And that's part of why he looked so different. And but I thought he had no hair. Like to me, the hair looked pushed further back. Maybe he meant dyed his hair singular. like he's like homer now he just has like little wisps but it's mostly like because somebody did a side but i think it's more prominent that they that they are wisps because i think he dyed it darker so you can like see it more (laughs) but to me the forehead looked bigger though i don't know but he also was just like (laughs) hold on is it a body double (laughs) it's a vincent d'onofrio as steve cohen he was wearing like he was wearing like three layers of collared shirt and they were all disheveled in different directions. But it, it was, was the 75 most bizarre. degrees today. What does he need layers? It was really weird. It was really weird. I I do I love know. the idea though that the Mets, like having any connection to the Mets ages you like the president. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely <laughs> That's true. the case. That's but absolutely not true. David Stearns is in charge. I was gonna say. David Stearns looks very youthful. Um, I mean, I mean, he is. He's very young, especially for a baseball executive. He's he is extremely young. He's, He's thirty eight. Uh, I but I would I want to see. He he looks even younger in my opinion. He has like a boyish face. I think he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I want to see what he looks like in like three years. That he's the true test of the president theory. I think. Yeah, because, yeah. Like, How old so can the Mets make David Stearns look? Yeah, because yeah, he came in at yeah, young. Because if you can make David old. Stearns look old in a short amount of time, like, mm-hmm. oh boy, howdy, is it a real? Well, that I mean, that was like when Obama was president. You're like that yeah. guy. Yikes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like I really hope that David Stearns doesn't age like Obama in <laughs> <It> his <is> presidency. <laughs> I mean, he's allowed to age if he's there for 20 years, but not like 30 years. Right. Correct. (laughs) Although, also, if he doesn't, that would be its own interesting story. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Then he would, we would need to, you know, whatever he, whatever his secret would be, he would need to give to the players. (laughs) Oh, he would, we would have to perform like scientific studies on this man. Like, he, Someone would need to like measure his telomere length if <laughs> that's a genetics joke. That's only the real I ones know. <laughs> um, yeah, someone would have to measure the length of his telomeres if uh, if the Mets do- don't age him. <laughs> we, we will. I'll, I'll 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 talk to my people about that. We need to look into that very strongly. <laughs> You'll be the Mets geneticist. Oh, the dream. The dream. <laughs> That would be the dream. <laughs> David Stearns, if you are listening, there is your untapped market. Yep. Yep. New market and efficiency. I'm I, I don't want to say this to the process nerds. I would work for very little. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. I have don't two, say it to the labor nerds either. No. I have two fur children to support. I can't. <laughs> yes, think about the fur babies. Um I work so my fur babies have a better life. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah, so in wider baseball news this week, uh, 
Just start. I mean, this is none of this is good. I, usually our baseball segment's kind of a downer. Unfortunately, this week is no exception to that. Um, so we'll start with Hector Neris, who used a homophobic slur to taunt Julio Rodriguez after striking him out. Uh, this was this was a term in Spanish, and Eugenio Suarez was on the on deck circle and heard it, so he confirmed that what he said was really bad. Uh, he he literally said to reporters, "It was really really bad." Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, which this. So for some background, Nerys and Rodriguez know each other like they're friends or or as Rodriguez used put to it, be. Like, I thought we were friends, basically. It, uh, I think he said he's not going to talk to him again. Yes, he did say that. Uh, and so he, he Rodriguez basically said, like, yeah, I'm I'm not talking to him anymore. Um, and this this incident feels weirdly targeted because of Julio Rodriguez's previous LGBTQ support. Sure does. Yeah. Like, it felt very pointed. Like, obviously, unfortunately, in toxic, in, you know, toxic masculine, in environments where toxic masculinity runs rampant, such as sports, hearing a homophobic slur is not, probably not all that unusual, sadly. Uh, it used to be even more common than it is now, but we so we've come a little bit. We've had a little bit of progress, but sadly, I don't think it's all that uncommon to hear those hear those things. But I feel like you don't usually hear it like on the field while the game is. Well, happening. You do nowadays if you do you you hear about it like right. That seems to be the only time you do hear about it. Yeah. Right. Um. And it's and they asked Nerys about it, obviously. And he kind of said he kind of downplayed it and said, like, oh, it was I was I didn't mean anything by it. It was all part of the moment. And it's like you can get a little too caught up in the moment but and taunt your opponent probably a little too far. I it, like I get that maybe. I mean, it still wouldn't be very good, but taunting your opponent. Yeah, one thing. But. Using a homophobic slur is not just part of the moment, bro. Like, I'm sorry. That's not something that just, like, slips out of your mouth as part of the moment. That's something that... You're comfortable saying. You're comfortable saying if that's what you're saying about it. Like, oh, it was all part of the moment. It's like, that means that you routinely say that word, probably. <laughs> Which is what we said about Tom Brenneman. Like, you're exactly. clearly comfortable saying that if you're not... If you're just going to say it with other people in the room you're not embarrassed to say it with other people in the room exactly um so that was pretty shitty um but good for you know julio rodriguez for saying friendship's over we're done exactly i'll be your friend julio yes that sounds that sounds skeezier than i mean it he seems very nice and i bet we watch a lot of the same tv shows yeah like i we both really like baseball (laughs) yeah it's what we think said he's watching this- with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we said on the show over and over, though, right? Like this stuff won't go away until it is not acceptable by their peers. We we talk about it in the context of domestic violence, but it's true of intolerance of gay people of women. Um, it's it's true of bigotry in all its forms. These things 
won't go away uh, until people who perpetuate it are ostracized by their peers. And that's what's happening here in a small way. I'm sure that Nerys is not going to be like blacklisted from the game entirely uh, by all players because of this. But at least the guy who was the target of the insult, who was previously his friend, is now not his friend anymore because he said that to him. So hopefully it's a consequence that actually speaks to some people, not every consequence is going to land and if maybe maybe losing out on a meaningful friendship is the consequence that speaks to Nerys. yeah who knows yeah. we would never find out if nobody ex- ever has any consequences yeah. hopefully he learned something from it but i don't think he ever apologized no i not that i saw he I tried mean... to apologize to rodriguez and rodriguez wouldn't pick up the phone but i don't think he ever like Good. said it. i didn't mean to say it or whatever no, not that I saw anyway. Yeah, no, he specifically did not own it in that way. He didn't. He didn't say I'm sorry for saying it. He Very much an I'm sorry you were offended kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So speaking of people who probably won't face consequences for their actions ever, because this man. Ugh. Oh no! Oh, do we have to? I yeah, we have to. <laughs> no, we do have to. I know. Yeah. I know. So. Kurt Schilling. There is no. Oh, there was a, a different one. Okay, never mind. Yes, no, this there's guy a lot. Too. Oh. Yeah. Okay. There, there is. Oh, oh, I'm not going to talk about the other one. We're, okay. we're okay. not doing Trevor Good. Bauer discourse. Today. Okay, thank God. He's been Ooh. he's been in the news because he. I'll, I'll do it for two seconds. He's been in the news because he settled his lawsuit that he had against one of the women who accused him of sexual assault. He settled that lawsuit. So and he made a video. Uh, I I Lord, I did not watch the video. I there is no, no universe no. in which I have the stomach for that. I didn't no. watch the video, but apparently he made a video where he like presented all his evidence that this woman was like out to defame him or whatever. And uh, of course that resulted in all his stands flocking to Twitter to say that like she was lying and Trevor Bauer is vindicated and all this stuff. We're not going to talk about that. All right. We are talking about another scumbag. Other absolute waste of human flesh. Like I think that this garbage. I think that Kurt Schilling and Trevor Bauer are legitimately the two worst people in baseball. Like, like ever. Yeah. They're the two worst ones. It's yeah. a race to the bottom. They're the worst. Um, There is not a circle in hell hot enough or deep enough for Kurt Schilling. I just got to say that right off the bat. Like, I yeah. hate that guy. <laughs> well, I and the thing that everybody so else has been talking about hating him for, rightfully, isn't even the worst thing he did this week. I know. No. I know. Oh my god! Anyway. I mean, this is like, and and you know, I mean, I feel like people may think that we are overstating it a little bit. No, we are passionate. No, but no, he literally posted explicitly Nazi beliefs about Jewish people and yeah. about exterminating them, like explicitly. This like, is not Nazi. Yeah, this is not like we disagree on the definition of fascist. This yeah, is no. like Jewish people shouldn't be around because they're bad and this is and we're not going to use like a j like like euphemisms here or like adjacent language like sympathizer no 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 he is a nazi Mm -hmm. kurt schilling is a nazi so there's that right off the bat he's a nazi 
But then also, <laughs> in and addition then... to him being a Nazi, he outed the fact on his podcast or on someone's podcast. It wasn't his podcast. I don't know. On someone's well, podcast. He outed the fact podcasts. that <laughs> Tim, these, these people with podcasts, he outed the fact that Tim Weakfield was battling brain cancer, which nobody knew, and prompted Tim Wayfield and his wife to put out a statement and the Red Sox too to put out a statement like that basically said like they 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 have nothing to talk about at this time that Kurt Schilling said some stuff about his health and we're not going to comment on it and we want that to stay private and then like three days later Tim Wakefield died and this is what his family had to spend their last time with Tim Wakefield doing is cleaning up Kurt Schilling's mess just, that is unforgivable. Yeah, unforgivable. and then of course, again, he was hiding behind his religion. Like, I believe in the power of prayer. You just tortured this poor family who was suffering, going through probably the worst moment of their lives. And you're saying you, because you're a Christian, you did it? That was not a Christian move right there. Jesus Christ being there, like, you keep my name out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I got nothing to do with this, man. <laughs> All these self-professed Christians doing very Mom, non-Christian things. Um, but yeah, it, it's just really unfortunate that Tim Wakefield's death is marred by this conversation, and yeah. it shouldn't be. Instead, we should be talking about what a legend Tim Wakefield is and how devastating it is that the baseball world has lost him. Um, the last great even- knuckleballer. You yeah, know? They, they couldn't give him the dignity to die in peace. Like they that was taken from him. It was. And that mm. that's like one of the worst things you could do to to a person and their family to, to take their that choice away from them. To have peace at the worst moment of their lives. Yeah. And it's and, but uh, you know he made it about himself, of course. Um, because now it's about Kurt Schilling, but instead of Tim Wakefield. But it is nice also to see the baseball community again coming together to honor, you know, who by all accounts was a like just a great human being, on top of being a very successful pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Who did something special? I mean, again, the, yes, knuckleball thing. Like that's that's cool. Now when there's nobody left, that's that's a special thing to hold on to. And, um, you know, Red Sox fans were lucky to have that. And, and, you know, it's, it's a shame that his passing had to get tied up with this. Um, and I hope that, you know, we can all kind of as a collective baseball community, just decide to try to erase big chunks of this tale and just hold on to the part that, um, that honors what Tim Wakefield meant to the baseball community. Yeah. And it was nice too that George Kirby broke out a knuckleball. Oh my God. That was so cool. Yeah. That was really cool. So again, like the baseball community can be so great when it wants to be. And then we just have these few assholes who ruin it for everybody. Yeah. Reading um, Pedro Martinez's tweet. Broke oh my god! My heart into I a thousand I pieces. Yes. Oh my. And Don Orsillo too has been tweeting a lot too. Um. So yeah, it's it's really sad. Uh, taken way too soon, obviously. 
So really, really sad. Um, and I I feel like we would be remiss if we did not also mention Brooks Robert, uh, Robinson in this conversation, yes. who also mm-hmm. passed away recently. And I was devastated to learn that. Um, yeah, absolute legend. And mm-hmm. hopefully the Orioles honor him with a World Series title. That would be pretty cool, right? Well, and Anthony Recker, of all people, had a really good tweet about Brooks Robinson. He's like, it's a very sad thing. But he was like, but I'm also happy that I'm seeing all these Brooks Robinson highlights on my timeline. And it was so true because, you know, I never saw so many. I didn't oh, appreciate I so many awesome things about him. Yes. I mean, I mean, do a bunch of awesome things, but so many great stories. And, you know, it's also, it's, I mean, Tim Wakefield is like the, the epitome of like gone too young and as as much as it is so heartbreaking to lose someone like Brooks Robertson Roberts, it's always also amazing to be able to think of like what a life yeah 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 there was there was a very touching uh I mean there have been many touching tributes to Brooks Robinson but there was one in particular that I found really touching uh from a local Baltimore publication that uh, I will find. And I, I didn't have it loaded up, so apologies. I've, I've already read it, but um, I will link it in the show notes and tweets. I wish I could shout out the author, but I can't remember the person who wrote it right now. But I will find it, and I will put it in the show notes and tweets. And I thought it was the best uh, one that I read. Um. So, yeah, we won't, we won't end the show on that note <laughs> as... Uh, as much as we want to honor uh honor the the loss to the baseball community but we like to end the show on a happy note so we will end the show this week like we always do with walk off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise i will say right mm, off the bat that i think we nah. all have the same one this what's is tough. Win? This is tough. i mean it it is helped out a little bit by the fact that i don't i didn't actually do anything else this week <laughs> Right. <laughs> There's not a lot of competition. Um, but not that there would really be any competition anyway, because it was pretty um pretty awesome. Yeah. Um Dollars for Dingers was great. Uh we you know, we were nervous because the the Friday night game was rained out, yeah. which created a double header for Saturday, which kind of threw a wrench in our works because our original start time for Dollars for Dingers was four o'clock which actually ended up being the start of game one. So we had to do a last minute pivot and start dollars for dingers at two o'clock and run it through the end of game one. And y'all showed out anyway. And that. Yay. Awesome. The best people. Truly. We have the best people. We have the best, best people. I was so worried that the time change would mess, mess up people's plans and it would mess with the foot traffic that we usually get at ebbs of folks just coming into ebbs, not knowing that our event is there. Um, but there were plenty of people still there at ebbs. Um, and we raised over $2,200, uh, that day alone at the, at the raffle event. And it was awesome. And, you know, I, I wish, I mean, I don't wish that the plans get changed at the last minute every year, and I don't wish for last-minute scheduling snafus, but I do wish we could have, you know, uh, four-hour-long dollars for dingers. <laughs> yeah, but less Be rush. careful what you wish for, Allison. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish we could have that uh, every year, but we can't. 
Uh, so, but this, so this year was very special because we got to spend even more time with you guys, which was great. Um, yeah. So congratulations to all the winners. Uh, we all had such a fantastic time and, and shout out to Ebbs again for oh, always oh being so welcoming and just being so awesome and being such a great partner to have. So it's like, it's the perfect spot to, to have it because they're awesome. Um, they're willing to, you know, really help us out to get whatever we need, like tape, <laughs> like tape, <laughs> um, move a pool table. Um, yeah, all everybody there was just so nice and so helpful, and they were willing to work with us. And so we love you, Ebbs. We'll keep coming back every year as long as you'll have us. You're stuck with us. Yeah, You're we're not going anywhere. Us. Um, um, but also, I was actually really shocked at also all the Phillies fans who came in and were actually like really supportive. Yeah, no, we had several, several Phillies fans yeah. uh, buy, buy raffle tickets for what was mostly like Mets stuff. Mets stuff. <laughs> we did have we did have a few, including Ebbs. Shout out to Ebbs because the Ebbs prize pack is one of the few like uh, non-baseball stuff. Yeah, or like I was going to say non-denominational, even though I know that's not the right <laughs> word. I, when I was trying to lure Phillies fans in, I used the phrasing team neutral. Yes. There you that go. Seemed to, that seemed to register. <laughs> team neutral. And uh, shout out to Baseball Prospectus for doing uh, Craig Goldstein and everyone at Baseball Prospectus for donating uh, a year-long membership because I think that attracted a lot of ticket sales from the Phillies fans in attendance as well since that was a team-neutral uh, mm -hmm. thing. So, yeah, we had a few team-neutral things that were able to nab those Phillies fans. Uh, we appreciate you guys. So thank you to all the Phillies fans specifically, too, who supported us you know, we can we can work across the aisle. We're we're better than Congress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I will notice I, I didn't. Granted, they weren't playing, but didn't see any Braves fans there. I'm just saying. Just saying. Just putting that out there. Just saying. Um. So, yeah, we, we will do more gushing about dollars for dingers in this week's Mench of the Week. Usually I, would, I don't spoil Mench of the Week, but this week this I'll make an exception. One. Um, we'll do a lot more gushing about every single person that we need to thank and uh, all of the fantastic people who supported us. But suffice it to say that we're all very happy and all of us are so, so grateful and full of love for our community and how successful this event is and how it's grown every year. And the Mets won the game, which was awesome. Both Two games. games. Yeah, that's when there was an Alvarez Grand Slam. There was there was an Alvarez Grand Slam. Um, so, yeah, between the uh, raffle event and our pledges, which were we're making our way through sending all those messages out to folks who pledged with their final amounts. So if you haven't received uh, an email or a message from us, you will soon trust <laughs> over the mm -hmm. next day or two. Um, you will receive a message with your specific donation amount. So you don't have to do any work of calculating it yourself. It's already been calculated for you and you will get the link to our donation page so you can uh, complete your pledge. Um, so yeah, between the raffle event and all of our pledges, we've raised, I think almost $13,000. We're getting close to 13,000. We're over 12,000. That's for sure. So yeah, really, really incredible, uh, incredible showing this year 
And thank you to the, the Mets for hitting dingers, too. Thanks to this was one of their better years. Yeah, the Mets too. showed up. The yeah. Mets did show up. This is the best, I think, as far as number of dingers. This is the best year since 2019. Yeah. 2019 is the, I think, ha- still has takes the cake for the highest total of dingers. But obviously, Dollars for Dingers was a baby little campaign then. Imagine if we had the cachet and following that we have now for Dollars for Dingers for oh the 2019 God. total. That would have been crazy. <laughs> well, um, also, in fairness to the 2019 total, that was like 60% Pete Alonso. It really, it really was. was. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's our highest dinger total since 2019, which really helps because obviously, you know, it's tough. It's especially tough in years like this when the Mets are out of it uh, by the time September rolls around uh, and people are not are kind of checked out on the Mets and it, like dollars for ding- dingers gives us a reason to stay checked in. And so shout out to the Mets for hitting all those dingers and making up for, you know, the the comparative lack of interest compared to 2022 in the uh, the fortunes of the New York Mets. Uh, they helped make up for that and make our totals similar, despite the fact that folks were checked out this year, understandably. So it, it makes raising money in September a lot harder when the Mets are not good. But if they hit a lot of dingers, then they make up for it. So it's great. <laughs> Imagine if they were good and also hit a lot of dingers. Yeah, we we that, still need we still need that's both what we to come call together. The David Stern's effect. Yeah, we just need to get all the ducks in the row. Let's go. Let's 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 have all the stars align next year for the Mets to be playing meaningful games in September and to hit a ton of dingers in September. This year we'll get all of the playoff bonuses for next year. Exactly. I should say exactly. Um, so thank you everyone for supporting Dollars for Dingers. We'll gush more about it in this week's Bench of the Week. You have no choice. You have to hear about it again because we love you all so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the meantime, it you're- awesome next time. Just yes. be terrible and then you won't have to hear about it at all. <laughs> don't do that. Um, no, don't do that. Because also, let's be real, they would hear about it. We yes. talk about terrible people too. We'll talk all about it. Yeah. All you're the time. You're not safe. You're stuck with us, folks. <laughs> We're off the road with this. <laughs> Uh, but while you're waiting for that, you can go to um, uh, you could go to homerunapplesauce.com to check out all of our fantastic pods. You can follow Home Run Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram at Home Run Applesauce. You can support our work by going to patreon.com slash Home Run Applesauce. All of our wonderful patrons can attest to the fact that being a patron pays off in the form of uh, dollars for dingers perks in addition to all of the other perks you already get access to the discord bonus content etc cetera, etc cetera. they can speak to it so yeah being a patron pays off and it's only five dollars a month and it really really helps you can follow uh this show on all the social medias at a pod of their own on twitter uh instagram tiktok and blue sky you can email the show own at gmail.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search Home Run Applesauce and you should be able to find all of our fantastic pods there on that feed. Please rate and review the show if you can. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets and don't forget there's no crying. Bye.